Hey, Scott. Yes? We're recording again. And without FISA court approval. And you know what that means. New theme! We went through several seasons. We never changed the theme. And then we stopped recording because life got kind of mean. But I'm here to say... It's a brand new day, cause the Slumgullion has a new theme. It's the same show, just a whole lot shorter. This is the Slumgullion theme, written for you, our loyal supporter. Jeff and Scott still talk a lot, but time they ain't got, still they'll give it a shot on the Slumgullion. Wow, 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 that's right, it's the Slumgullion. Wow, 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 hold on tight for the Slumgullion. A Quinn Martin production, in color. Play it in there. Short, brief, to the point. That's my jam. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a brand new edition of The Slumgullion. Yes, that is right. We are back. My name is Jeff Holland. Three hours behind me is Scott Clevenger. Holy hell, Scott, we're back. And we've apparently been gone so long that we had to completely reintroduce ourselves, last names included. This is kind of like the tediously overlong recap at the beginning of some TV series when it comes back from its mid-season hiatus. So yes, welcome everybody, we're back. Minus a few months and several major organs. I was going to say, uh, to everybody who is still listening to us, we I apologize profusely for the extended delays over the last couple of years. I take full responsibility, but to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, like what Kenny referenced, you know, almost dying of cancer, losing the apartment, almost becoming homeless, it tends to make things a little bit difficult, but... I am not dead, I am not on the street, and I'm ready to be an obnoxious asshole again. So all is right with the world. I wouldn't go that far, but it's a little teeny tiny bit better. Well, I mean, I've lived with very little asshole in my life these past few weeks, and frankly, it's not feeling very good. I understand completely, but we're back. We're going to try and be relatively regular, and we're going to be relative. We're going to try to be relatively time constraining. It probably won't happen, but we're going to give it a shot. I was just thinking about um, the general asshole deficiency, and yes. uh, I, I, I think I've realized I have become more dependent on it than I used to be. It used to actually sort of annoy me. Now it's like. A certain amount of assholishness in life is just necessary, I think, to keep up your tolerance for it. It's like it hurts to first learn to play the guitar until you build up those calluses on your fingers. <laughs> but once you do, you don't want to stop because then you got to go through all that again. That's kind of how I feel about assholes now. I just keep thinking back to that scene from Star Trek Picard where Captain Shaw reams out the title character and then apologizes by saying, forgive me, at some point, asshole became a substitute for charm. Which I think actually should be the new American motto. It should replace uh, e pluribus unum or in God we trust. 
Oh, it's such a great line. Such a great line. And we will be getting into the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Joys of Todd Stashwick at some point in the relative near future. Because, oh, do I have a lot to say about Liam Shaw. Oh, uh, words cannot describe the man crush I have on Liam Shaw's character. But that is neither here nor there. One last life update. And then we can get into the fun stuff. I just wanted to let everybody know, for those of you who are paying attention, that after years, my disability hearing has at last been scheduled. Yes, I finally get to go in front of rich white people and try to explain to them why why I'm disabled. This is either going to be wonderful or it's going to be hell, but either way, it's a finally happened. You know, n- n- I don't have to worry about when. And now it's officially a it's a thing. Well, I think it's going to be both. Actually, it's going to be horrible no matter what. Just going through that experience, hopefully it will also be wonderful because at the end of it, having gone through the horror, you will be on disability. I'm not going to lie. You know, I mean, granted, everybody has said this is the process and this is usually when you get through. But me personally, now that it's officially like set in stone, I'm starting to get scared shitless. I get scared shitless because if I don't get it, I am, well, completely and totally fucked. Pardon my language. (laughs) This is going to be very, very bad if this goes south. But I don't want to think about that right now because I'm in a good mood. So, while we have the chance, and let's get right back into it, which particular piece of pop culture do you wish to peruse today? Because we have two fairly big things that we can discuss. We have Star Wars, because we have not talked about Andor at all, and Star Wars Celebration is currently going on in Europe, and there is a lot of things that have been announced. And then we also have the other huge fandom igniting issue with the season three of Star Trek Picard or Star Trek The Next Generation season eight, depending on how you who you talk to. Yeah. Well, I think we should probably talk about the Star War. Yeah. Let's definitely start with Star Wars because, oh, boy, have there been a lot of announcements. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I apologize. I don't think I sent out the memo I meant to. But from now on, we will be referring to it as the Star War. Oh, the Star War? Okay, okay. Because really, when you look at it, it's all the same war. There's only the one war. They've been having the one war since the first movie. They're still kind of having that war. It's it's a big galaxy, but there's only one war. So (laughs) I enjoy the Star War. There are certain elements of the Star War that um, I do thoroughly enjoy. For instance, since we didn't get a chance to talk about it when it aired, can I just say that Andor has officially become my favorite Star Wars thing of all time? I was blown away by how much I enjoyed Andor. I did not think I was going to like it because, once again, if you know me, you know how I am about prequels and we already saw the character die. And I honestly didn't think that um, I would care. But the thing about Andor that worked for me was it wasn't just about Andor. Yeah, Andor was less of a protagonist than a catalyst, which was fine because the ensemble was amazing. From Fiona Shaw as his foster mother to the guy who's beaten fascists to death with a brick made from her ashes to Andy fucking Circus, who gave a, a performance in a handful of episodes that broke people's hearts. Broke people, really. You look, mm-hmm. I was excited about this. I had no trepidations unlike you. One, because I, I really loved Rogue One, which which could have well, gone either way. Because I loved it so much, this could have seemed really inadequate. But I was confident because of Tony Gilroy's participation. Tony Gilroy is, is a master coming in and setting 
fucked up situations right. In fact, there's like two whole chapters in one of William Goldman's later books about how Tony Gilroy struck up a conversation at a basketball game and then wound up saving a movie that William Goldman wrote. A 1997 thriller directed by Clint Eastwood called Absolute Power, in which Eastwood played a master thief who breaks into the mansion of a politically connected donor and witnesses Gene Hackman as the president of the United States accidentally killing a hooker or something like that. Yeah, uh, that. So Tony Gilbert just said, hey, and I know how to fix it. And he told him what the solution was. And he goes, no, no, that's not in the book. And he goes, yeah, I know. I haven't read the book. The book is killing you. Forget the book. So that's an attitude that I've always tried to take when walking into any rewrite situation is, okay. well, if you called me, whatever this is, is killing you. That's the thing. Some people, when they or in the rewrite process, spend as much effort trying to save stuff as they do Mm -hmm. trying to replace it. But Tony Gilroy is is very much a creative destruction force. So I was absolutely euphoric when I heard that he was going to be the showrunner for Andor, and it did not disappoint. It was exactly the adult Star Wars that I think we need. And the people who complained about Andor because of its grim adult Mm -hmm. are the people who are now complaining about the latest episode of The Mandalorian because it was kind of goofy. And it had Lizzo now, and Jack Black. I, I got to admit, I have to admit, since we're going on here, as much as I loved Star uh, Andor and was mm-hmm. obsessed with Andor, I hate saying it, I have not been into this season of The Mandalorian at all. I, it's, I don't care. I just don't care about what's going on with The Mandalorians at all. I'm watching it for Grogu. <laughs> I do like Pedro Pascal's voice acting. Apparently, if you believe people, um, he is officially, he might be gone. He might no longer be the Mandalorian. Well, they've had difficulty with him. And I don't mean he has been difficult. I mean, there has been, there have been clashes and I don't pretend to know who's behind it, but they were not as accommodating in the first season as they should have been because that costume was just punishing and with him going to do the last of us as a continuing series yeah and it was gone for you know nine months or a year so i mean he's already going to film season two now <laughs> by this point dinjar is a voice acting role he's no longer yeah. present on the set which is fine but they're making these noises about how oh well, the mandalorian now refers to the group so it's a collected noun now instead of uh a signifier for this one particular character that you've been following and loving. But that's fine. Things change. You know, they, they were talking about uh, moving on uh, in season two when there was all that flack. So yep, yep, if yep. they if they settle down and said, OK, Din Djarin's going to step back a little bit. Bo-Katan's going to step forward. Any chance to see Katie Sackhoff, I'm down with, you know, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I me some Katie Sackhoff. Don't get me wrong. It's just that this whole Mandalorian storyline is just, you know, it's sort of like the uh, that new Star Trek show, Starfleet Academy. I just don't care. It's not my thing. I it, and and I gotta tell you, oh, I was not a fan of Jack Black and the names of the characters. I make fun of, um, you know, names. That's kind of fun. But what was what the hell was Christopher Lloyd's character's name? It was something so stupid. Oh, I don't know, Captain Crunch. Uh... It was something like that. Yes, indeed. But I mean, l- l- let's let's remember, this is a show in which one of the main characters is named Grogu. Yes, indeed. They, I, oh, trust me. I I still remember from the original trilogy, the, the sequel trilogy, Kit Fisto. Let's talk about Fisto for a minute. Never forget. Never forget Kit Fisto. We don't talk about Fisto. No, no, no. Anyway. Oh. 
But I will say, I the one moment that I absolutely have loved, there's been one moment this season that just absolutely made me happy in The Mandalorian and why I'm still watching it. I, I think, it, I don't know what episode it was in, but Din Djarin said, this is the way, the uh, the armorer said, this is the way, and then Grogu said, this is the way. Oh, no, no, no. I, I know the scene you're talking said, about. That scene was set on Bo-Katan's ship. Yeah. Din Djarin said, this is the way she repeated it, which surprised me. And then Grogu said, he was trying to say it. He I was trying to I, say it. So far, I, I don't know. I don't know why. May, I, but just this season, I just have stopped being as invested. And I, I just I don't know why, but it is what it is. Well, I, I think, think I think it's because because the focus has shifted narratively. It's it's no longer Lone Wolf and Cup. Now it's turning into this grand epic about retaking Mandalore, I guess. I mean, that's sort of where they're going, which is fine. That's fine. That's the story. I'll watch that. But the series has changed quite a bit, as series do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. We used to be accustomed in the old network days to, to shows just never changing. You know, they delivered mm-hmm. shows were episodic. The characters were more or less always the same. If there was some huge thing like a Starsky and Hutch where one of them was poisoned and had 24 hours to live and the other one had to track down the poisoner and it was like some huge thing and then there's always a scene where one of them was really sweaty and close to death and the other's holding him and oh don't worry man I'm here for you and then the next episode it's like that never happened because Mm -hmm. it didn't so every show there were really no consequences and people tended not to leave shows People tended to just plug in and be there forever. And when there were when there was trouble, when when someone wanted off a, a hit show, it was so weird. And people became very resentful, like uh, Civil Shepherd with Moonlighting. Um, mm-hmm. Nowadays, you almost expect it. As soon as something becomes popular, first of all, the actors have learned to immediately start trying to neg- renegotiate. We watch TV differently. Stories are told differently. In any given season of Barnaby Jones, The Streets of San Francisco, even Hill Street Blues, which was sort of serialized, but was still basically episodic in its storytelling. You you can just plug in anywhere. You can drop into any season at any point. You're not going to be lost because there is no larger story. And if you saw an episode that that just absolutely sucked balls, all right, fine. Wait till next week. There'll be another one. But now, when everything has an overarching story, if you don't like that, then the whole season's ruined for you, not just one episode. So this is a new paradigm. Yeah, yeah, that's very well said, Scott. You've earned a cookie. Thank you. I could use one. <laughs> well, I was awa- and- I was awakened at the crack of dawn by the. This is so weird. So I'm going to complain for a second. You were not complaining. Go- you were bringing people up to date. I'm going to complain. Go for it. So 8:30 in the morning, this horrendous, horrific Texas Chainsaw Massacre sound starts up outside the window, and somebody has two cherry picker trucks and a wood chipper. And they are cutting the uh, crown of dead fronds from the three or four really tall palm trees across the street. Now, clearly this isn't the city because as we speak, this is Easter Sunday. So somebody must have hired some private. I don't know why. Maybe they got a ticket because those things can be deadly if they come down. And they do come down around here because we get high uh, Santa Ana winds. But still, why did they do this on Easter Sunday? Why didn't they do this on Palm Sunday? That would have made more sense. I mean, clearly what these guys, whoever is behind this, they needed two things. They needed a landscaping crew and they needed a party planner with a good grasp of theme events. (laughs) Anyway, I know 830 in the morning is not early to be shaking 
taken out of bed, but I am a literally a lifelong insomniac. I mean, I was a constantly tired and grouchy zygote. I was drinking coffee as a toddler. So I tend to go to sleep late, if at all, and 8.30 is pretty early. So I'm a little grouchy and a little fuzzy. Okay, Grumpy McGrumpnuts. Well, one of us asked, I mean, I think it's my turn. We brought that back. This, this is your episode. This is your episode to be Grumpy McGrumpnuts. That is perfectly acceptable. I mean, having that amount of noise that early in the morning would make anybody grumpy. But yeah, it's, it's, it's like I said, Rogue One blew me away. Rogue One, it was like I, dead like tied with Empire as my favorite Star Wars. And again, as a prequel, I was not expecting that. I knew, you know, I'm going in, okay, everyone's going to die. And I, by the end of the film, I'm like, no, 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 I don't want them to die. I know I don't want this. I was invested. So when I heard about Andor, I was like, and like you said, Tony Gilroy, I'm like, okay, the guy who did Rogue One, who saved, helped with Rogue Run, is running the show. What he's interested, what he's going to do, I'm interested in. But then again, I was like, but is this set up? And then I heard it's only going to be two seasons. They're only doing two seasons, and I'm like, okay, that makes me a little happier. But then this season was just some of the best Star Wars storytelling that I have experienced. I legitimately cannot wait for season two. Something else that I am actually looking forward to that they announced at Star Wars, or they talked more about at Star Wars Celebration, is Jude Law's Star Wars show, Skeleton Crew. It's a bunch of kids. bunch of kids. No, and, he, and here's the thing. Here's why I'm interested into it. I supremely hope, because apparently this takes place in a whole, a different, a, a section of the galaxy that we have not seen before. And yeah. I hope that we get a Star Wars that does not mention any. I want all new characters, and this could be something different. It could be, and uh, I, uh, I I'm touched by your your uh, your hope and your faith in your naivete. Let me respond with these few words: Star Trek Voyager. Remember how excited we were about all the new stuff we were going to see on that show? Totally new part of the galaxy, totally new quadrant. This will be fantastic. No more Borg, no more this, no more that. Oh, look, it's all that same shit. I'm not saying that's that's necessarily going to happen, but oh no, I understand, I get it, I do. This isn't. I mean, I'm definitely looking at it hesitantly, but I'm like, out of everything that they've announced, that sounds the most interesting to me. If it I didn't mean, have the, the kids, uh, it sounds it makes it sounds like Star Trek Prodigy to me. It sounds like a grungier Prodigy. A, I like Prodigy, surprisingly, and B, I understand your issue with kids, but I'm also going to say Psycho Gorman. Crap. Good kid. Ah, the one ironclad bulletproof counter argument you could have deployed, and That's there right. it is. That's right, motherfucker. I went there. <laughs> that it can. Almost, that seems a little unfair. I mean, I confess that to you in confidence, you and whoever else was listening to the recording. <laughs> okay, that was a brilliant answer, Scott. You get points. <laughs> you get points for that. I'm not, as you said, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it can happen. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, in some ways, this is my favorite part of any season of genre like content that i am anticipating with glee my favorite part 
is before I actually get it. Now, when you actually get it, you may love it 10 times more than you thought. You may be disappointed. It may be fine. It may be right in your wheelhouse. It may be not for you. you you'll never know until you watch it. But right now, everything's for me. Even the Jude Law thing, I will give a chance to. Yeah. Because it's Star War. It's the Star War. I never miss the Star War. And I mean, and let's see here. What what else was announced? We have uh, the three films that were announced. We have Dave Filoni finally directing a Star War film. His I'm assuming it's going to be his adaption of Heir to the Empire. Boy, that's got some people pissed off. How can you do Heir to the Empire? It's Luke and Leah and Han's story. Wait, why is Dave Filoni inserting his pet character into it? Like, well, because she's the one who's got the goddamn show. Luke yeah. and Leah and Han are dead. Yes. They're all dead. I mean, I don't know how to break it to you, fans, but and yeah, sure, you can recast it. Boy, that would be a hilarious can of worms. But uh, they got away with recasting Luke in The Mandalorian, so they would probably get away with that. Nevertheless, no one's going to do Heir to the Empire. No one's going to do it on TV. Do you know how expensive that would be? Although it already the, the trailer already looks pretty goddamn expensive, and I love that Dark Jedi girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, she looks very interesting. And apparently at, at um, Star Wars Celebration, when they showed that trailer, Lars Mikkelsen's head is thrown. Just that the shot of the back of his head brought the house mm -hmm. down. Just the shot of the back of Thrawn's head brought the house down. Now, I freely admit that they got Lars Mikkelsen back for Thrawn live action makes me so happy. I loved his performance in Rebel. Mm -hmm. I, I, the voice alone was absolutely commanding. However, I'm very excited about live action because... You know, the back of his head is his best feature as an actor. It's very expensive. He can really tell a story with it. And, you know, they couldn't take advantage of that in animation. Now, finally, the back of his head is going to fucking rule. <laughs> no, I, I, Ron, I remember when Air to the Empire came out back in 90-whatever. For those of you who don't remember, this was that was the first new Star Wars. I hate using the word, but I will. The first new Star Wars story. I'm not going to say content. Ha! The first new Star Wars story that we've got in a long time, besides the comics. And Thrawn literally became my favorite character in Star Wars at that time period. I read that trilogy, every book. When that, when that first Thrawn trilogy came out, I was obsessed. And it wasn't even about the return of Luke, Han, and Leia. It was entirely about Thrawn. Hmm. I... Kind of like with, with Liam Shaw now in Picard. I was obsessed with that one character. I didn't even give two shit about the other ones. I was like, who is this man? Why We have evil Moriarty, and this is awesome. You put your finger on something that should probably be addressed, hmm. <laughs> which is people were very upset. And to a certain extent, I, I am too. They, they just waited too long to pull the trigger, and they were not able to take advantage of Luke, Leia, and Han in the movies in a way that you could have them reunite and give the people that that closure that they wanted. And for one reason after another, that became impossible. But if legacy characters are impractical, if you can introduce a new character into your franchise, that's what keeps a fandom alive. I mean, granted, it can go terribly, terribly wrong. Like you introduce a new character and they take over a show or a comic book, a, a superhero team, whatever. Joss Whedon knows about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> but I mean, Zahn killed it with Thrawn. Great new character. Absolutely, absolutely new. And it looks like the new characters or the approximations for the characters from the novels also look very interesting. The Mandalorian was the most exciting thing about Star Wars. Grogu. 
all these things, new characters. And, and mm-hmm. it's like, let go, people. Just let go. Time's arrow moves in one direction. <laughs> well, let's see. We have we have Dave Filoni's quote unquote heir to the Empire movie. We have the first Jedi, which yay, okay, yay. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm sure it'll be interesting if we actually get it. And I mean, it is James Mangold, so I mean, we got a good person behind it. Mm-hmm. But just not, nah, I just don't care. And I feel as much as I care less about the sequel trilogy, I want to see the Ray movie. I do too. I, the whole thing ended so unsatisfactorily. But. Yes. You know, what are they going to do? Come, come back to Daisy Ridley when she's, you know, 71. Say, hey, we've just decided to go back and, and finish up Ray's story. Like, fuck you. Yeah, do it now. Don't wait 40 years like Lucas did. Yeah. I don't know who the uh, writer, director of the Ray film is. I, I saw the name, but I didn't recognize the name. But I'm like, all right, I'm glad that they are at least attempting to continue. I'm very surprised. I didn't think Daisy really would come back. So the fact that she's coming back, that's awesome. Why wouldn't being in, a, in Star Wars films be the most fun you'll ever have in your life? For some people, they can't wait to get back. I mean, LeVar Burton was very much that way with Star Trek. The current season, he was saying, you know, it's it's really true. If you just got to get to the point where you let something go and you stop hoping for it, and then, you know, that's when it'll come back to you. It seems like he really wanted to play Jordy again. He really wanted to He loved that. It meant a lot to him that. That he, that he got the call, that the phone, that the phone rang. I think, it, I think it's meaning a lot to everybody because they're getting shit they didn't get 30 years ago. Closure. Or, like in Beverly's case, something to do. Something to do. <laughs> that, that doesn't involve a, a laughably bad episode because it seemed like she was in more than her share of them. The ones that focused on her seem to always be really, really... Eh. That's that I don't like sex scandals. I was going to say, I don't care what anybody says. I have no problem with Sub Rosa. That, that episode amuses me greatly. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> has to be amused by it. So it's me. <laughs> no, it's, 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 I'm, it's weird being a, uh, at least for me now at this point, a 40 year. Yeah. Going, no, going over 40 year. Cause this is Jedi's 40th anniversary. So being an over 40 year Star Wars fan, it's it, it's weird because I remember as a youngin, I took everything. I read all the comics. I watched everything. I read all the books. Blah blah blah. This I obs- I even I joke about it. But when I was a kid, I did like the Star Wars holiday special. I didn't know any better, but I enjoyed it because it was Star Wars. Well, you were a kid. That's who it was made for, and that's yeah, the other exactly. thing that you you've got to accept that fifty percent of the Star Wars content. Is always kids. going to be is always going to be for kids. I mean, mm-hmm. that whole Lizzo Jack Black sequence that was very much the kind of thing that would delight kids. Oh, look, the little green guy's helping her cheat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very charming, but it was stupid as fuck. And there you go. Half of Star Wars is going to be the coolest thing you've ever seen, and half of it's going to be just absolute cringe through a vuvuzela. And I never, I, it, it started, I definitely noticed during, you know, during the sequel trilogy, but now it, it, I'm just sort of like, I don't know how to phrase this. I can look at the stuff that I don't like and go, all right, that is not for me. And I don't need to go online and violently complain about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe it's just as well that there wasn't social media back in the day because uh, when i first discovered the star war 
because uh, I have never been big on extended universes or basically they're just big box merchandising opportunities. And I know some people love them. The books, the comic books uh, enrich their lives. And that's absolutely fine. I'm not criticizing anybody for enjoying these. But I had one of those moments you just described. Um, I read a Star Trek book and it was fine. Well written, interesting, decent piece of sci-fi. But OK, this is not for me. This is I, I'm not getting out of this what I got out of the series, what I enjoyed. Same with Star Wars. I just looked at the EU and thought, eh, it's just not, I, I can't care enough about this to want to keep track of all of it. So that was, that was never for me. But the weird thing is the people who, for who that was their Star Wars, way more than people like you and me who discovered the movie at an impressionable age. These are people who read books and, and comics and played games and in their head canon Things are very specific and go a certain way. Mm-hmm. So so now when it's a little bit more loosey goosey, they're they're telling people who are enjoying current Star War on TV or the movies. They're going, that's not real Star War. But their Star War is that era of books and comics and when there were no movies and certainly hey. no TV series. So they're coming. You know, it's weird. It, you can't compare. It's not a one to one comparison. Gee, that sounds just like new Trek versus old Trek. Well, you know, those who do not learn from history uh, can tend to repeat it. <laughs> I, it uh, the fans. <laughs> but no, it's what you're, what's going off of what you just said, I find this interesting. Again, when I was a kid, I read all of the old Star Wars books. Every novel from Heir to the Empire to when the what, what is now called Legend series ended, I read. I have not read any of the new Star Wars books. None of them? None of them. I haven't read any of them. I, I just I don't care. Hmm. Now, maybe it's because now there we do. We had the movies and we've got the TV shows. I don't need to read. But I, every time I've gone to the bookstore, if I'm looking at things to read on my Kindle or stuff, yeah, I, there are still books. There. there are one or two bookstores around here so I can still go shopping. I just look at them and I'm like, eh, I don't care. <laughs> and I feel kind of bad because I did enjoy reading them. But I'm like, I have other things to read. I'm just oh, I read the back. And none of the books have been like, do, do I am I interested in this story? No, I reached the point now where I need to, I need to know if I'm going to be interested in the story or not, not to take everything like blanket. Mm-hmm. It's Star Wars. I must watch it. It's a Star Trek. I must watch it. That's not, that doesn't happen for me anymore. Like I said, Starfleet Academy, that new show. I hope it's great. I hope people love it. I'm not going to watch it at all. Yep. Which is fine. Yeah. You know what? I wish there was more self-aware watching and or even self-care watching. And less hate watching. I don't, I don't understand why people hate watch. That's the thing that I I just like with all with all the things that you can watch. Why specifically watch something that pisses you off just so you can write about it and get the clicks? Or is that it? They just want the clicks for their reviews and videos. Well, I mean, I am a huge hypocrite here because I I do watch certain things, rooting for them to fail, so I can write about it. But that stuff I go into having having heard they were bad or having read they were suboptimal. In other words, I, I have some good reason to suspect that it's not going to be an entertaining experience. But I, I only do that if I'm working. I don't do it recreationally. It's not fun for me at all. You're doing it for comedy. 
Right. Exactly. Doing it for comedy. It's the same reason I fucking watch Birdemic. <laughs> I would not watch Birdemic ordinarily, but for the Mike and Ike piece, you know, there have been several things I've watched just, you know, it's, there's a difference between watching something you know is going to be bad to try and make something good out of it. Mm. To try and make something funny out of it, and then watching something just to go, this sucks, and anybody who likes it blows. We don't do that shit. No, because that's all you they look- are doing. It's that's just anger. That's not humor. That's not comedy. They're not adding anything. I mean, at least if you make fun of something and your joke lands, you have added value to the world. But if you're just pouring out anger, there's plenty of that shit. No shortage of it. Don't need a refresher. Thank you. See, that's why, Scott, I say I don't consider you that much of a hypocrite, because as you said, you're doing it for work and you always take a bad thing and put good jokes in it. Yes. yes. Had to blow a little bit of smoke up your ass. It's been a while. It has been ages. (laughs) And on that note, my ass is as smoke free as an airport lounge. (laughs) well now we just blew a little bit up there just enough just enough to keep you going but i hate to tell you this but it's late it's time to go it's late but you should know that we'll be back before too long and you might get a new and song but i doubt it